Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to another episode of the Couples Healing Podcast. Today, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share that has to do with a handful of people that I've been working with not not too long ago, where their difficulty is that they're having a hard time following through on doing what they know they should be doing or breaking old bad habits and trying to create new patterns. I think every single person has experienced something like this where we know we should be doing something, but we're not doing it for whatever reason. And so I wanted to share with you some ideas and some examples of how this plays out in our relationships with us individually and then give you some tools and ways to think about things differently so you can follow through and break old habits, create new ones, because our life is honestly a result of our decisions. And if we keep making the same decisions that are not leading us to the outcome that we want and we don't change them, it leads to just a sense of unfulfillment and lack of feeling excited and happy and motivated in life. And it affects our relationships, it affects our self-esteem, our spirituality, any, any area of our lives. When we're making decisions contrary to those that we want to be making, then we just don't get the result that we want and it affects us. And so for people to have a, a, to continue to make progress individually and, and leveling up and achieving their goals, it all comes down to making different decisions. Now, when I work with people, I'm always curious. I feel like this almost like a detective trying to figure out what's preventing people from making decisions. Because you can't just strong arm somebody or you can't strong arm yourself into doing something and have it be sustainable. There are little ways to make these decisions easier and easier. And this is a part of why people, I think, struggle is because they try to strong arm themselves. Or another word for that is they try to use willpower. And you can do that for a period of time, but using willpower to try to create new habits and patterns, it's not sustainable because there's a reason why those things aren't in place. And so whenever I work with somebody, my goal, a part of my goal, is to figure out what exactly is preventing them from doing it. I'm always looking for the block. It's like sometimes I'll say it to clients, I'm looking for the yeah, but. Yeah, that sounds good, but. Yes, I want to be doing that, but. That's where the block is, which then will reveal what we need to do to remove it so you can take the action that you want to take. So I want to share with you two examples here to kind of get your mind going in this in this direction. Well, I guess even one general example. I remember hearing somebody speak at a conference and he said, "Is are the laws and principles of how to lose weight so complex and so unknown to people that they just don't know how to do it? And is that why there are so many people who struggle with, with their weight? And of course, everybody in the conference thinks to themselves, well, no, everybody knows how to lose weight. It's as simple as consuming less calories than you burn at the at the core level of it that's how you lose weight is consume less calories or burn more calories than you take in so are the laws and principles so difficult that people just don't know how to do that well no that's not true either because you can find literally thousands of articles hundreds and hundreds of books that have been written about about this so it's not a matter of not knowing how to do it there's something in the way if somebody is having a challenge with their weight and they're not losing the weight that they want, there's simply just something in the way. It's, it's not because they don't know how to do it. There's something deeper that's causing that difficulty. 
The same thing is true in the context of what we're talking about in terms of healing relationships, overcoming addiction, working through individual or personal challenges. It's not that, well, sometimes people don't know how to do it. And I think that is fair because sometimes we assume that it should look one way, but it really, it looks another way, right? You can use, you can do this, the, the proper thing, but do it at the wrong time. You can do the wrong thing, but at the right time. I think about a farmer, right? If you have a farmer who plants seeds in winter, it doesn't matter how much they work. It doesn't matter how much fertilizer and water and effort and energy they put into the field. It's not going to grow. So we need to do the right things at the right time. And if we seem to have a difficult time doing the right things at the right time, again, it goes back in my mind, there's something in the way. So we need to figure out what that is. And so just to use a couple of examples, this is what kind of gets my mind thinking about this, this episode today. I was working with somebody not too long ago, and his wife was pleading with him for him to open up to her and just let her in to his world because he would come home from work and not share anything about what was going on. And she'd say, hey, how was your day? He'd say, fine, and then just get quiet. And then she'd try to ask some more questions. And then he would answer in a one word or just a single phrase. And he'd just get quiet and start watching TV or just pull out his phone or just go to the next room or avoid conversation. And she would be heartbroken by this because she felt so alone in the marriage because not only did he not communicate with her and not spend time and not engage with her, but there would be times in the past where he would turn to his addiction instead. Well, not even instead. He would just turn to his addiction. and she would be so hurt because she'd think to herself, you don't want to talk to me, but you're willing to go and watch or do something with somebody else. Therefore, her perception of all of this was, I don't matter to you. And of course, she's going to arrive at that conclusion. But I turn and ask him, again, this is the benefit of when, when I'm able to work with both people, it's so helpful for me to turn over and say, hey, what's happening for you? Do you, do you want to spend time with your wife? Do you want to connect with her? Do you want to communicate? Like, help me understand what's going on for you. And he's like, yes, I do. I want to have a better marriage with her. I want to let her in, but I'm just not doing it. So I ask, do you understand how much this means to her? Do you recognize the importance of doing this? And he says, yes, of course I do. I can see how hurt she is. And I say, okay, well, help me understand what's preventing you from doing this. He's, ah, I, I don't know. I just, my mind kind of goes blank. I just don't know what's getting in the way. So that's when I think it's it's like I put on this detective hat to try to ask tons of questions, kind of like, I don't know, you go to your physician and they say, you tell them I have a cough and they ask you, well, what about this? Does your chest hurt? No. Does your side hurt when you cough? No. What's your diet been like? They ask you a bunch of questions to try to isolate what's causing this. And so in a similar way, I'm trying to understand from, from him, what's pr- if you tell me that you're wanting to do this, but you're not following through on it then I need to understand what's making that difficult so we can process that block and resolve it so you can follow through on the thing that you're saying that you want to do. And I believe him when he tells me he wants to do it. So that's why I get curious and say, okay, what's going on for you? He says, my mind goes blank. I say, okay, help me understand. What do you mean? When Specifically, when she comes to you and says, how is your day? What happens internally for you? And then he says, well, my mind goes blank. And right before my mind goes blank, I have this thought, 
well, because that's another question I ask. I'm like, do you not really have anything to say? Do you not know what to say? He's like, no, there's stuff that happens all the time, every day. I just, I don't know why I don't tell her that. So the more I'm asking questions, the more I try to understand what's preventing that. And he says, well, when I think about sharing with her, I remember all of the bad things that I've done in the past and all of the pain that I've caused her. And then I start to just feel overwhelmed and stressed because she's right there in front of me. And the idea of me opening up and talking to her just brings up all this guilt and all this shame about what I've done and the negative impact my decisions have had in the marriage. So I get completely overwhelmed. My mind shuts down. It goes blank. And then I just don't really know what to say. So she keeps asking questions, but I don't know how to respond. I just, I, I just get, I get stuck there. So when I heard that, I'm like, that's a, okay. That's such important insight. So in other words, you're telling me it's not that you don't care about her. It's not that you don't understand what she's asking for. You understand all of that. You do care about her. It's not, you're, what you're telling me is that you're feeling so overwhelmed by the guilt and the shame of your past decisions that you kind of just go blank and shut down. He's like, yes, that's exactly what happens. Now, this the path forward for somebody in those moments is going to be very different than somebody who says, I just don't know what to talk about. Or for somebody else who says, I just don't want to talk to her. Again, there's a whole nother process that is necessary for somebody who says either of those three things. Because if he doesn't want to talk to her, then I'll start to wonder, well, what what has happened in the past that makes you not want to talk to her? And then we'll follow that thread as far as we can until we discover the core of the issue. Or for somebody else who says, I don't know what to say. Well, there's a whole nother set of steps that we take in order to resolve that. And so it's critical that we understand when somebody has a goal or a desire or wants to break an old habit, the habit of not talking to his wife in this example, we need to understand exactly why that's not happening. Another example that I want to share with you, again, working with somebody in the past, the main struggle that he was having was being honest with his wife. And so no matter how much somebody tries to strong arm him or remind him or encourage him or yell at him, it, it, it doesn't matter the approach that we take. If we don't understand why he's not being honest, it, no amount of effort or frustration or begging is going to change that and make it sustainable. So as I was working with this couple, he was doing what we call these staggered disclosures, which I think I've mentioned on previous episodes, which essentially is you share a little bit, you say that's everything, and then more comes out a few weeks or months later or years later. And then you own up to that and then you disclose just enough to stop the conversation and then something else comes out. It's such a damaging pattern because it completely undermines this tr the trust that she has and she then can't believe anything that he says. So it was in this particular couple. For, for many, many months and years, he had been just sharing a little bit and then more would keep coming out. So as I start working with them, the same pattern persists. And then I start to then get curious again about, okay, what's causing this? If you're doing something that you say you don't want to do and you tell me that you do want to be honest, yet you're not being honest, what's preventing this? Again, I want to share these examples and share with you my frame of mind when I'm working with somebody so you can start to think about things 
through this lens for yourself or in your own relationship. So I'm asking those questions, what's causing this breakdown? And I would encourage you guys to think about the same thing. In any area of your life, when you're not following through on the things that you say that you want to, or on the goals that you have, ask yourself those same questions. What's preventing this? Why do I feel so resistant to this? What am I avoiding? What is difficult about doing this? So I'm asking these questions to him as well. And through, again, these series of questions, and as I just asked follow-up questions, it comes out that he says that he's terrified that if he really were to share with her everything, that she would ultimately say this is too much and that I don't want to stay in this relationship anymore. If I were to share with her how much I'm actually struggling or the the struggles that I've had in the past, I'm just scared that she's not going to want to do this anymore. So his fear is a result his his lack of honesty is a result of his of like this overwhelming fear that he has and these beliefs of if I share, not only will she leave, but then she's going to reject me. So the path forward when somebody resists being honest and it's rooted in fear, which it often is, is again going to be a very specific path. So the whole, the principle of what I'm trying to share is if there's a goal that you're not executing on and following through on, and there's a pattern that's causing damage or turmoil in your life we have to first step number one the principle is identify exactly why it's happening after you've done that the steps moving forward there's two different ways to approach this change takes place on two different levels and if you're only addressing one level when both levels need attention then it's again not going to be sustainable so i want to share with you i'll even share like another example okay uh let's see how do I want to structure this? So, okay, let me actually share with you the two different levels and share examples within those. On the first level, it's simply a behavioral level. There needs to be just different actions taken, and there's nothing really underneath it that's necessarily driving it. There's no deep-rooted fear. There's no limiting belief. There's no the programming. I use the word programming. I've, I've shared this idea in the podcast in the past where we all have this blueprint emotionally and these beliefs and values and it's just the way that we see life. It's our programming, right? It's the blueprint. And these values and beliefs and habits and patterns are the thing that influence our life the most. These underlying fears and beliefs and concerns that we have. So if we reflect on this, one of the examples that I just shared, let's talk about maybe the honesty one. If he's having a hard time being honest, consciously he might know, I need to be honest. I want to be honest. I don't want to carry these secrets around. It's taking too much energy. It's overwhelming for me. I can't be present. I'm not happy. I know I need to be honest. But then underneath the surface, if beneath the, be- so the behavioral level is the, 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 the top level, then the one below that is the deeper programming level. Again, these fears and these Uh, these values that we have in our worldview that influences and affects our ability to follow through on what we want to do. And so if he says, I desperately want to be honest, but even more urgent and important to him than honesty is acceptance and not being alone and not being abandoned, that fear of not getting acceptance, 
that fear of abandonment in many moments in his life overrides the desire to be honest because it's on a deeper level. And so we need to challenge and restructure things on that deeper level and work through these faulty or distorted beliefs. Because one of the beliefs that he has is that in order for to in order for me to be loved, I need to be perfect. And so because he's not perfect and he's making mistakes, that is what activates this fear of, okay, well, I'm going to be rejected. Therefore, I cannot disclose when I'm struggling. So we need to isolate and figure out what are these deeper level beliefs that are causing him to not act congruently with how he wants to. And so that would be the goal is to identify that belief, start to challenge that, and you start to have discussions. So when I'm working with somebody, I try to uncover what is that? What is that belief? And again, for him, it's I'm, I'm afraid of getting rejected. And even deeper than that is this fear of if I'm not perfect, then I'm not going to be loved. So then we can start to challenge those beliefs and and there's a number of different ways to do that, but essentially you're trying to break the belief by challenging it with something that's true and giving counter example examples and asking things like, well, do you feel like it's necessary for other people to be perfect? And of course he'll say, no, well, I don't think anybody else needs to be perfect. Has there ever been a time in your life when you were less than perfect, but still felt connected to somebody? Then he thinks about it and says, well, yeah, that's happened before. And then I have him share multiple examples of how He's been less than perfect and has been accepted. And then you can start to, again, like plant these new seeds of of accurate beliefs. Again, because the idea that somebody has to be perfect to be loved was a result of these early experiences that he had when he was young. Again, we don't have just, we don't have these beliefs out of nowhere. Beliefs form as a result of our experiences. So when he was young, if he get, if his parents got upset with him when he made a mistake, subconsciously he starts to believe this thing of if i'm not perfect somebody's gonna get mad at me and and to his not to his credit but like to his point that that is what happened at times when he was growing up so of course that belief started to develop and he carries that into his next relationship even though his partner at the time is not like that and so by being able to challenge the belief by using other examples there's a couple of the other shifts and exercises that I'll do with people to help them release these beliefs. Because again, you can't just strong arm somebody into believing something different. You have to uncover and unravel it. One of the ways is through challenging it. But again, there's a handful of different ways to approach it. But for you guys, I guess the, the principle that I want to share is starting to challenge it with counterexamples can be the, one of the best places to start. So we need to identify and break down, is it coming from a deeper level programming or fear or belief? then starting there, and then layer on the behavioral level of change. That is, that's going to be a surefire way to help somebody stay consistent and break these old patterns. So let me talk briefly about this idea of the behavioral level. So just sharing that one example of the deeper level, we want to again address, okay, if, the, if there's anything else that needs to be changed in their approach, again, it's a behavioral level change. So for instance, Sometimes people say, I'll use my own example here. For a long time, my wife and I would have these discussions where I would just procrastinate things. She would ask me to do something and say, yes, 100%, no problem, I'd love to do that. And then I never do it. Well, not say never. It would take me a while to do it. I would procrastinate it. And she would get annoyed and bothered by this because she's one of the most organized, uh, on top of things person that I know. 
She's a teacher and she plans out her, she does her lesson planning months in advance. She does her Christmas shopping months in advance. Like she just, she follows through with such precision. And I, I admire that. And that's not some quality that I would say that I had. And this is something that we would have these discussions and frustrations about because she would say, can you please do this? And I would have every intention of doing it, but I just wouldn't follow through. So I had to figure out, it got to the point where it's like, okay, I've got to make a change because I don't want to keep getting into these little tiffs. I want to be able to follow through, not only for her, but for me too. I want to be the person who does follow through on what he says he's going to do, but do it in a timely manner. So I had to think about what's preventing me from doing this. And as I thought about it, one of the values that I have is efficiency. I think I maybe mentioned in the podcast before, I hate waste. I hate wasting money. I hate wasting time. I hate wasting water. This like drives me crazy. I'll drive around on my way to work and I'll see these broken sprinklers and it's just like, oh, it bugs me. And I'm like, why? You know, I'll, I'll pull out the uh, Las Vegas, I'll pull up the website, the Las Vegas Water District, and there's a way to report water waste. So I'm like, you know, I'm taking up time in my day, like, oh, please, like sending in pictures, please handle this thing. Cause it's just like this deep value of like, I don't like waste. And I think a part of where that came from is how I grew up. My dad would get on my case if I was doing the dishes and there was too much water coming out. He'd say, don't waste water. So these little subtle messages shape my worldview, again, which becomes a part of my values. And so again, this affects my relationship because my value is efficiency. So she says, hey, can you get the oil changed? Honey, no problem. I'll do that this weekend. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I need to be on that side of town on Friday so instead of make, making two 30-minute trips one way and 30 minute a 30-minute trip back to the office, what I'm going to do is go from my office to run this errand to then do the oil change. But then inevitably something would come up and I don't end up running the errand. Therefore, I say to myself, okay, I'm not going to do my oil change today because I don't want to spend all the time going to and from the, uh, the, the location to the mechanic. And so I wouldn't do it. And the same thing with any other thing, like, hey, can you please clean up the mess? Yes, no problem. As soon as I finish this, I'm going over to this, you know, I'm going to be doing this anyways. And I, there, I would just group tasks together. So it wasn't driven by this deeper level fear. It wasn't driven by some underlying deeper, deeper level programming issue. I could see how my programming influenced my decisions, but I didn't need to change my value of not being productive or not being efficient. It was simply a behavioral change. And so all I did was once I identified what the reason was, I then simply, one of the tools that you can do is after you identify it, it's simply to make a conscious decision to do it differently. And you're essentially just accepting that. So for me, in this case, it's I can acknowledge that this is what's driving it. Because if I don't even know that it's my deeper level uh, value of being efficient is at play, it's very hard for me to just like come to a place of acceptance. But once I identified that, it was a huge opening for me to then make a decision and say, okay, regardless of this value of efficiency, I'm not going to abandon that for the purpose of being able to follow through for the betterment of my relationship with my wife. And for me, I want to develop this attribute of following through with exactness and in a timely manner. I'm going to make a decision to intentionally follow through, even if it means being less efficient. And just by making that conscious decision, it helped to shift this almost like this identity shift inside of me, 
where I adopted this may be another tool that you can put into into uh, to overlay with this, making a decision to change how you approach things and making it a part of your identity. So it's, and how do you do that? It's simply making the choice, right? So I say to myself, I'm going to be somebody who follows through. And because there is no deeper level issue that I need to resolve, I can actually follow through on this much, much easier and in a sustainable way because there's nothing pulling me back or away from that decision. So I made the decision, I'm going to follow through and consciously accepting and knowing I'm going to do this. And there are going to be moments where it's going to be less efficient, but that's the decision that I'm going to make. And just by doing that, I've been able to follow through. Uh, I've Because uh, I kind of teased her in the beginning of the year. I said, the year 2021 is going to be the year of the follow through. And I made it a conscious, active decision. And I, it's been a night and day difference. And I enjoy it. I like being able to follow through. It feels good. It's almost like I get a dopamine hit when I follow through on a task or check off a box. You know, like when I accomplish something, I'm able to feel good about that. And so that just continues to sustain my motivation. So that's one of the approaches to make a decision after you recognize why you're having a hard time doing it and then linking that with your identity and becoming a person of follow through in this case for me. Another way to do this is to make a plan is to decide when and where you're going to do the new habit. So if you say, well, I want to instead of coming home at night and pulling out my phone or instead of going in like before I go to bed, instead of pulling up my phone and somebody might say, okay, this is my new thing, my new habit, the new approach, instead of pulling out my phone when it's bedtime and my wife goes to bed and I stay up on the phone and then it goes into this train of thought where I start looking things up that I know I shouldn't be looking up and then I slip. There's so many, so many men who struggle with that being the scenario. So it's making a plan ahead of time for saying when you're going to do the thing that you want to do instead. So you consciously come up with this idea of instead of going to the bed, pulling out my phone, I'm going to pull out a book that I'm going to put on my nightstand. And then I'm going to read the book for the purpose of growing my relationship, growing my finances, growing my growing in the category of health. So once you have a specific action item that you're going to do and you have a time and a place to do it, this is one of the strategies to make follow through much, much easier because you don't have to take mental energy and decision-making power because our decision-making muscle fatigues. Instead of having to make a bunch of decisions in the moment, it's like, ah, oh, I'm just going to do the path of least resistance. If you have all of that planned out ahead of time, it's so much easier to just follow through on the thing you've already decided on. It doesn't take additional energy to do the things. You set your environment up in a way for you to be successful. And you can start to train yourself maybe in that case to put your phone in a different place, put it on your dresser, charge the phone downstairs. But linking this with a positive vision for what you want to do instead is crucial because you can't just say, well, well, you can, I guess, but it's in my opinion, it's not as effective if you say, well, I'm just going to charge my phone downstairs so I don't slip. Is that a, is that a good thing? Yes. But even better or best is to, I'm going to charge it downstairs because I want to do this positive thing instead. Instead of saying, I'm not going to slip, I'm going to say, I'm going to read 10 pages tonight so I can achieve this outcome. It's much more vision and future focused. So creating that plan can be another helpful way. The last th thought that I'll share with you, the last little tool is to create a new association, meaning 
sometimes when people, I think about, okay, if you're going to develop a new habit of working out, let's say, many times people, when they think about going to the gym, the picture in their head is one of, uh, it's one of many steps and it's one of discomfort. It's uncomfortable for me to go to the gym. I think about how much I'm going to sweat. I think about all the stuff that I need to bring, my gym bag, my shoes, and then I got to shower and then I got to do all this stuff. So the picture in your mind, what you associate with going to the gym is all these tasks and and lost time and all these ne- all these like sticking points. When somebody thinks about the gym in that way, it's going to be near impossible for them to sustain that. So one of the ways to approach this, if again, you're focusing on just a behavioral level thing, because there could be many things underneath the surface in terms of deeper level programming, which is worth considering. But on the behavioral level, one of the other tools that I would recommend is creating a new association. So instead of associating going to the gym with all this work and all these steps, start to associate what you want to do by in terms of going to the gym with what benefit do you want? Like, what's the purpose of you going there? And if you link it to, again, a negative motivation, because I don't want to be overweight, because I don't want to be weak, that's not compelling enough for the mind to seek after it. So you want to link it to the positive benefits of what you're doing. Again, going to the gym, overcoming addiction, becoming a better parent, becoming a better spouse. For what purpose do you want to achieve that goal? So for instance, going to the gym, you might associate high levels of energy. You might associate feeling confident. You might associate some other benefit that you're going to the gym for, which then when you think about going to the gym and you consciously put those new things together and you think about all the energy you're going to have and you you even step into that state by visualizing when I come home, this is how I'm going to feel. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to feel confident. I'm going to feel like I'm going to feel strong. Doing those things, creating that association is going to be one of the things that can help you follow through on that decision. Same thing if you say, well, I want to overcome the addiction. Why? Because I don't want to feel bad. Because I don't want to get a divorce. They're not strong enough. That can sometimes get people into taking action, but then it needs to shift from that to what do you want as a positive result of that? By doing that and having that decision in your mind and that association in your mind, it's much, much easier to follow through on the decisions and the new habits that you want to create. So as you're thinking about this, I hope that this is all making sense in terms of the analogies and the stories and the examples. I would encourage you to think about what is the thing, and I would pick one, I would start with one. What is the one thing that you want to see, that you want to start to take at? What do you want to start with? What's the next one thing? whether it's your relationship, whether it's the addiction, whether it's healing from trauma or responding differently or being a more present parent, working on your physical health, what's the one thing that you want to make a change in? And think about what's preventing you from taking the action that you know you need to take. If it's a matter of not knowing what to do, then maybe that's the first step is to to figure out and ask somebody or look up or get mentoring or have a friend show you how to do this. If you don't know what to do, you've got to find that out first. But after you know what you need to be doing, what's preventing you from doing that? Is there a deeper level issue? Is there an underlying fear or belief or value that's in conflict with this pattern that you want to create? 
And then looking at the behavioral level, okay, what do I need to do? What kind of behavioral changes do I need to make in order for me to follow through on this thing? And once you've done that, I would encourage you to take action on those things and make these decisions of addressing things on these two levels, make those decisions, take those actions so that then you can take the action and make the decisions that you need in order to follow through on the thing that you really want to do in your life. As you do this, it's such a rewarding and exciting thing when you're making progress. You don't even have to hit your goal before you start to feel fulfillment. This is one of the, I think, one of the, the blessings almost of like the way that our mind is wired. You don't even have to hit your goal just by making progress, getting into momentum. That is what feels fulfilling. And of course, achieving the goal also feels fulfilling, but we don't actually have to wait. We can experience fulfillment and excitement and pleasure and joy by taking action and getting into momentum and seeing progress. So I hope that helps. I would encourage you guys to take that action this week and make this an episode, especially one. I hope that all these episodes, you you can take something from this because my goal is not just share information, but to make it applicable and actionable so you can put it into practice. So I would encourage you to do that this week and focus on one thing and then watch how your life starts to change and grow as you put that into play. All right, everybody, look forward to speaking with you next week and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.